Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3. Time now for Market View, where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. While Singapore shares fell at the open today, despite overnight gains in European markets, in early trade, the STI was down 0.1% to 3,223 points after some 27 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Closing numbers, as usual, they're still firming up, but here's what I have on my screen. DSTI up 0.38% at 3,238 points. In terms of value turnover, we are looking at 976 million Sing dollars. Gainers outnumbered losers 281 versus 251. Top 5 movers by value we've got here. ADBS, Ctrim, OCBC, UOB and Semco Industries have Heavily traded securities included Seadrim, Thai Beverage and Costco Shipping Singapore. Now in terms of companies to watch, we do have Semco Industries, the energy company posting their a 15% year-on-year increase in net profit to some $412 million for the second half year ended December. Now elsewhere from China lowering its five-year loan prime rate to Japanese firms, posting record quarterly profits, more international headlines on the cuts. Joining me on the line is Thilan Wickramasinghe, Head of Equity Research at Maybank Securities. Thilan, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. And Philan, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How has the STI fed so far today? Any surprises when it comes to the biggest movers, uh, say Semco Industries, after that 15% uh, rise in net profit? Yeah, so Semco uh, net profits came in marginally ahead of uh, street expectations. Uh, their growth was broad-based with both conventional energy as well as their renewables uh, segment growing. We also saw them adding more uh, power purchase agreements in the second half, although power prices have been coming down sequentially. For us, uh, what really what was really interesting is how fast their renewa- renewable business is growing. Uh, their renewable capacity is already halfway to their 2028 uh, 25 gigawatt target. We think there's a lot more scope for this segment to grow uh, in Singapore as well as in places like China and India as a lot of these economies move towards net zero. Uh, Plus, if you recall, the Singapore budget last week unveiled a $5 billion future energy fund uh, to to support the transition to low carbon. So that's also very positive for companies like Semcorp. Now, apart from Semcorp, uh, we also saw a 7-plus percent move in Citrium after they announced the new offshore wind uh, project win. Uh, and we also saw both uh, UOB and OCBC, uh, the two banks that are left to report their fourth quarter earnings, um, also moving up. And I think largely that's uh, driven by expectations of higher dividends this quarter. Right. And I do want to stay in the Southeast Asian region, uh, Thilan, and take a look at Singapore's Grab versus Indonesia's Gojek. Now, they have reportedly restarted talks for a mega merger. Question is, what is then the likelihood of this happening? And more broadly speaking, what will this mean for the ride-hailing and food delivery industry uh, in the region? Seems a little bit like a, almost a monopoly, would you say? Mm. So I think at this stage, this is mostly speculation and neither company has really come out to confirm it. Uh, and this is uh, the, not the first time Grab and uh, Gojek have yeah. looked to go down the aisle. Um, there was a failed attempt uh, 
back in 2020. Um, of course, the market conditions and the ecosystem is very different today. Uh, for example, uh, you know, GoTo has given up control of Tokopedia, their e-commerce service to TikTok, uh, while Grab is growing their financial services and digital banking business. Now, a deal like this could have some big positives for both companies. It will give scale uh, in operating in Southeast Asia. And if you, if you see, Southeast Asia has a lot of very fragmented uh, marketplaces, unlike, say, the EU or the US, where the markets are fairly, uh, you know, uh, fairly similar. Uh, now, there's also a renewed focus on profitability in this high interest rate environment. And a larger entity would have better pricing power as well as margins. ASEAN is a trillion-dollar internet economy. So being big will definitely be an advantage in grabbing a larger slice of the pie. Now, on the other hand, size actually might be a limitation also, uh, as it may actually result in uh, regulatory concerns as well as antitrust issues. Remember, uh, Grab faced these issues in Singapore back when they were uh, merging with Uber. Uh, so this might make any potential combination quite complicated and actually result in the business having to carve out market. Then, then you come back to the first place where you actually lose uh, advantage of scale. So I think the bottom line is there's a lot of unknowns here. Uh, yeah. So we'll need to really watch this space closely. Yeah, I see. And across Asia, Phelan, China's five-year loan prime rate lowered by 25 BPS, a basis points, to 3.95%, which is bigger than what economists had expected previously, which was 5 to 15 BPS. Uh, but it seems that that's not enough to keep investors excited. So really the big question that we've been asking right uh, for quite some time now is what is really needed to revive investors' and consumers' confidence then? I think a lot more is needed to drive up both investor and consumer confidence. Look, the five-year loan prime rate is what new mortgages are priced off. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really impact existing mortgages and there are 30 trillion RMB of balances there. So uh, also cheaper home rates uh, is not, uh, mortgage rates are not really going to entice new buyers. Uh, they have to weigh the cost of the mortgage, which is, really their cost of capital, uh, against uh, what they think is going to be the direction of housing prices. I think many are spooked by the continuous falling trajectory of housing prices in China. Now, coming to equity investors, they need to be convinced that the economic fundamentals are going to improve going forward. Uh, this will hinge on the property market bottoming out and also uh, seeing a lot more market-friendly policies. If you just take the housing inventory alone, uh, you know, it will probably take three to five years to clear. So the macro data is still too early to come up with any firm conclusions here on a turnaround in the market. And then finally, if you look at U.S. Treasury yields, they're still pretty high. Uh, so this is the risk-free rate, risk rate for, a, for, for most investors. So equity investors will need to be convinced that Chinese equity returns can deliver well above this uh, before assets can be allocated. And again, you know, unless we start to see some U.S. rates coming off, that's going to be a bit unlikely. Right. Um, 
If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Thelen Wick-Ramasinghe, Head of Equity Research at Maybank Securities. Um, Thelen, I do want to take a look at Japan. Uh, slightly more positive there because companies, they have locked record quarterly profits that boost hope uh, hopes for further upside to major indices, including the Nikkei. Now, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, net income at Topix 500 companies rose 46% from a year ago to a record 139 trillion yen, or around $125 billion in the October to December quarter. How would you then read into this? I mean, these are some very strong rebound figures for Japanese earnings. Uh, of course, if you strip out SoftBank, which can be volatile because of their global uh, tech investments, net income growth actually then falls to about 25%. Uh, but that's still a pretty solid number. Uh, we think the weak yen is helping to drive up exports and uh, a strong U.S. economy is also driving demand for Japanese products. Plus, uh, inbound tourism, also attracted by the weekend, is helping domestic consumption uh, names as well. Uh, while Japan has entered a technical recession, uh, companies are increasingly passing through higher costs uh, to their customers. So this is actually quite good for margins and should actually continue to help drive earnings going forward. So we have a situation where earnings are rising and also the monetary conditions from the Bank of Japan are still uh, fairly easy. So Mm. this should continue to give some momentum uh, to Japanese stock. Now, having said that, investors will need to watch out for some potential downside surprises. A a lot of Japanese companies depend on the Chinese market, which is slow at recovering. Also, some of the companies in the electronics sector have been slashing guidance, indicating that the overall semiconductor inventory cycle hasn't fully recovered yet. So, so these are some, some things that investors should be watching out for. Right. And, uh, well, speaking of Japan, Phelan, I do want to take a look at this. And the Nikkei reported that Japan's transport ministry is preparing to take action against uh, a Toyota Motor Corporation affiliate for cheating engine emission tests, including possibly withdrawing certification for some engine types. Now, we know Toyota is already the world's uh, largest automaker per se. How much of a ripple effect will this have on other major automakers? Do you think others are doing the same as well? And will the will there be share price movements uh, uh, contingent effect where this is uh, concerned, or is this just limited to Toyota at this point? So if you look at so far, the current emission test issues are isolated to some very specific models and engines at Toyota. Uh, other Japanese makers have also had irregular, irregular emissions uh, tests in the past, including Mazda, Yamaha, Nissan back in 2018. We also saw one of the largest emissions cheating scandals with Volkswagen back in 2015 yeah. as well. In each of these cases, uh, you know, share prices did react negatively. Now, for, for Toyota's case, we'll need to really observe two areas. Uh, first, was the testing issue systemic and will it impact more engine types and models? And second, what will be the, the severity of the regulatory action? Um, so I think these will really determine uh, the overall uh, direction of the stock. Right. And I do want to take a look uh, further at uh, what's happening in Europe. Uh, Thailand. We've got the European Central Bank having its uh, non-monetary policy meeting tomorrow. What should investors keep a lookout for on this front? So the non-monetary policy meeting normally discusses responsibilities other than monetary policy of the ECB. 
this means this is not a meeting where interest rates will be set. Um, that was back in 25th January where the ECB kept their interest rates unchanged at the pretty high current level. However, we won't discount some commentary around the fact that there will continue to be some pushback against interest rate cuts. Uh, for sure, inflation is heading down, but wage growth in the EU is still pretty strong. And inflation, even though it's coming down, it's not at target levels yet. So expect some language around uh, keeping rates higher for longer. Right. And don't mind me, Thilan, I've got about one or two minutes to go and I really want to pose you this question as well. We're seeing earnings coming in in the US. We've got Walmart, Home Depot and also NVIDIA coming out on Wednesday. So a lot of things going on. What are you expecting generally? I mean, I think we're generally seeing, uh, you know, overall earnings in the US coming in quite strongly. But again, it's it's very much sector by sector. I think the, the internet names have shown uh, some very strong sort of momentum. Uh, the consumer side, uh, not as much, but we are still seeing some positive momentum as well, given the sort of huge spending, the fiscal fiscal spending that the U.S. US government has done. So I think overall, it's still a pretty pretty decent quarter. I think the market will be looking for on how how much a lot of these earnings can be sustained uh, going into the rest of the year. Uh, and hoping to see uh, clear indications of when interest rate uh, cuts will happen. Right, lots to watch indeed. Uh, thanks a lot as always, Philan. That was Philan Wickramasinghe, Head of Equity Research at Maybank Securities. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.